Hey, welcome into another episode of Sports BKC. I'm Rustin Dodd with the Kansas City Star, and we're down here in Surprise, Arizona, uh, alongside Blair Kirkhoff and Vahe Gregorian. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday down here in the uh, Kansas City Star's Surprise Bureau headquarters, also known as a condo with um, sketchy Wi-Fi and. Uh, Decent mattresses. Well, you know, I'm big time you guys by being over in the uh, local Best Western because of the crowded house. So I, I don't know about these things, but thanks for letting me have your pretzels and uh, um, let me drop do the pop in. The crowded house includes photographer extraordinaire John Sleazer, who, as we speak, is putting together um, uh, videos and photo uh, galleries for KansasCity.com, make sure to go and get that. So we will, uh, and of course we'll plug it at the end as we always do on these podcasts. You know, it is amazing what capacity this studio has. <laughs> Doesn't it strike you? Like our cold gray room back in KC. Look at this place. Yeah, it's splendid. So um, the Royals open up the spring training schedule tomorrow uh, against the Texas Rangers at Surprise Stadium. That's Wednesday. Um, but some big news today as well. So we're going to talk about Salvador Perez's new contract extension and then preview the rest of the spring for the Royals. So let's start with Salvador Perez. Um, the news came out this morning. He signed a five-year, $52.5 million extension. Now it's sort of, the money is a little bit, I guess you can look at it in different ways. Essentially, he was going to make right around $16 million the next three years in club options so the Royals restructured that, spread the money around. He's going to get a $6 million signing bonus. He'll make $3 million next year. He'll make $7.5 million in 2018 and $10 million in 2019. And then he'll make $13 million in 2020 and 21, And that's all guaranteed. So essentially he's making, you got $36 more million guaranteed. Um, and the Royals got two more years out of Salvador Perez. And he'll be 30 31 when he uh, is a free agent in 2021. So, Vaya, I guess we can start with you. Um, this news, I think we saw this coming. I mean, the Royals had been discussing this for, for a few weeks, and Sam Mellinger was down here last week and reported more kind of evidence that they were close. Um, so I guess there wasn't necessarily a shock value, but um, what was your general takeaway this morning? Well, it, it, to me, it's really interesting on, on a lot of levels. Um, one, it's not exactly break the bank stuff, but it makes them whole, I guess, is maybe the way to look at it. I mean, they're, they're, and, and what, what I would like to know, nobody will ever really be able to talk about this, is but how much both sides were conscious of the fact that sell might peak in three years. Sal might peak in three, four years, right? And, and it, but still giving the, the longer offer. Um, and, but the other thing, and, and I know you got into this in the story you wrote, and, and Blair, some of your questions were about this in the press conference too. Um, what this says about the organization, doing something was not imperative at do, but it was goodwill, it was, I, I think, good business. Um, and I, to me, it reaffirms that, that Dayton Moore is basically a, a man who is what he appears to be. I, I, I think they try to do things right, I really do. I think if the Royals are the organization that they are purporting to be, um, and that is a, you know, all for one and one for all and family atmosphere, that they, this was imperative that they got this deal done. Imperative that, 
basically tore up his old contract and, and, and gave him a new one. Um, because there, there's no doubt that he was underpaid uh, based on his accomplishments. Let's run him down. Three-time Gold Glove Award winner, three-time All-Star, World Series MVP, um, what, top, you know, five catchers in baseball yeah. maybe? Five you know, to- you can make arguments about his offense <laughs> and that it's struggled in recent years, but if you just go by wins above replacement, he's averaged about three wins above replacement which for a catching position I think is probably right around the top five or six in baseball. Of course, that's because he plays Yeah, he does play a lot. He does does benefit on a counting stat from from playing all the time. That's true. But, you know, that brings up an interesting thing, too. That's that's uh, one way to break it down. But when when Ned brings up the idea that 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 clubhouse is a bright room, but it's a little brighter every time he walks in there, I have no idea what the intangible – aspect of that really is and we only see a certain amount but but there's kind of a some kind of galvanizing presence in him isn't there that that counts for more than just what he can do behind the plate or at the plate I, I think yeah well I think that's true throughout the entire clubhouse and maybe particularly true with the Latin players um, I, I have no evidence to, to back that up just just observation when you when you go into the clubhouse where, for the most part, and this, I, this is probably true throughout baseball, Latin players are, are, are usually together in the clubhouse. Their, their cubicles are near each other. And you always see Salvi talking and, and kidding around with guys. And, uh, and then the, the reverence in which the other players throughout the clubhouse speak of him is, I think it's, it's, it's genuine. And what does it say that the, the, you know, the, the two latest big contract deals uh, that the that, uh, that the Royals uh, have uh, you know have produced are Alex Gordon and Salvador Perez. Um, they didn't have to re-sign Gordon, and they could have continued to you know have Salvi play under his current deal. And um, and in both cases, you know they made those two players very happy. And I you know I I, I actually I don't think it's lip service that the Royals are trying to take care of the players who have meaning to their organization beyond what they do on the field. Their presence in the, in the clubhouse and, you know, what they're about. Even other Royals players talk about Alex Gordon as the, the model, the example of the hardworking, work ethic guy. And, and we know Salvador Perez has these leadership qualities as well. One, one quick question. I, I kind of want to throw it at you. Sorry to interrupt, Rustin, but it, it, was it 2011? You guys will know this better than I will from the my somewhat brief time here, 2011 or 2012, where basically all this young core materialized. Well, they, Salvador Perez debuted in late 11, 2011, late yeah. which is the same year that both Hosmer and Moustakis came up. They all sort of came up staggered throughout the summer. But, but for argument's sake, let's say 2012, how many on the 25 man will, will still be here that were in 2012? I would, I would guess it's a little bit of an inordinate number, but I might be totally wrong. But, it, but for, for, if you look at shifts on other rosters in baseball, and, and what I'm getting at is I think the commitment to the core. Yeah, I would I, that's an interesting question. Off the top of my head, I would say something like 10, maybe 10 players, but which is uh, still would seem right. like a lot of well, players. Escobar and Kane are part of that group. Yeah. They came over in, in 10, right? In 2010 yeah. or 11? Yeah. So, and Dyson is in that group. And Duffy. Yeah, so maybe it's even a few more than ten. Maybe I mean, it's almost teams. half maybe the roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't but, know. I I'd love to figure out a, a a way to check on how that compares to the rest of baseball. But 
Yeah. I, I will say, and we were all there this morning, and um, Salvador's new agent, Rick Thurman, who was hired uh, after he did his old deal, he mentioned that not a lot of teams would do what the Royals did, do this contract with three option years left on the deal. I will say, though, that the Royals, I mean, they got something out of this, too. Um, they got two extra years of Salvador Perez's prime at, I think, is probably going to be a good good rate in 2021. Maybe below market value yeah, if I he mean, continues on the even upward if he, Even if he continues his current level of production and never gets any better, um, I think in 2020, 2021, the way that contracts continue to go up and television revenue continues to go up, and the Royals are probably have a new television deal by 2019 or 2020. 2019. I, I think, I mean, this deal, as much as we're talking about what a, a good move it is by the organization, I think in three to four years, it could, it, it's, there's more risk involved, but I think it could look like, hey, he's still underpaid. You know, I, I think they would not have done this deal if they didn't get those two extra years at a reasonable rate. I mean, they locked in the three option years, which guarantees the money, and they gave him $6 million up front and a signing bonus, which I think probably is what really makes Salvador happy because he's been so underpaid for the last couple of years. It sort of makes up for that in that way. But I, I do think that $13 million in 2020 and 2021, you know, even if he is you know, injury-plagued and, and doesn't play very well over the next couple of years, it's not going to be the sort of contract that – that you know hurts the Royals' chances of, of signing other players. Well, that that's a good point too. And 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 even if he is still underpaid, then you won't really be able to say he's criminally underpaid. Yeah, like it's it's a, it's a different sort of underpaid. But I do think, you know, if Salvador Perez had never signed that original extension, um, he's looking at going to free agency after I believe would would be in the same time Hosmer and Mustakis and all those guys would. And you know, you're looking at a catcher who is. You know, probably a hundred million dollar player. Break, he would break yeah. the bank. He'd yeah. probably he'd be a yeah. break the bank. Yeah. Guy. He'd be and he'd be going to be a free agent at the age of twenty seven. You know, World Series MVP, All Star catcher. I mean, that's a hundred million dollar player at least. So and, and you're, you're you're hitting at a really good point, and, and it would be naive to say like you know, this was just some gift. I mean, clearly it was strategic by the Royals too, but strategic in a way that I think really can basically be seen as win win. And, yeah, and, and, and also in the, in the scope of the greater reality because of the Because it would have been very easy market. for them to wait another year or wait two more years um, in terms of seeing what he was over the next year or two. I mean, there's a lot more risk involved in doing this than just letting the other option years go, go were, out. Were you guys struck by um, – I, I thought Ned Yost was emotional in the, um, in the press conference – after the signing today, almost to the point of tears. I, I, I thought so too, and I think he was, he was really reveling in it for Sal, but I thought he was also taking great pride in, in that he, he works in an organization that, that he thinks engenders trust in players, and, and it, it reflects a, a, a way of life for all of them. And I, I, think, he, I, I think he was proud of that. I, I, think that, I think so too, and it, it got me wondering, you know, who's next? You know, who, who, yeah. who, who's next in this parade of, uh, of uh, you know, who they identify as, you know, keeping the keeping the core together? And does this, you know, d does this erase a window? Uh, do, you, do you put it, erase that line between 2017 and 2018? That's a great, yeah. that's a great I, question. I would say that's... that 
instinctively, the, the answer is yes. It is a little bit different, though, because Salvador Perez was under contract through 2019 anyway. So, but what does it beget? Yeah, yeah, but I do think that it's worth looking at because I, I wrote this in the kind of the gamer of the, the contract extension today. They've got Alex Gordon now through 2019. They've got Ian Kennedy as long as he doesn't opt out through 2020. They've got Jordano Ventura. This is sort of a, um, something that people might forget. He's got club options through 2021. Um, in a sort of a similar deal to Salvador yeah. Perez, but not quite as maybe below market rate. Now you've got Perez through 2021, you've, and then you've got all these other guys that are going to come up in two years in terms right. of their free agency. So they'll have some interesting decisions to make, but as long as they, I, I think if they, if they pick out the right guys and extend a, a handful of the right guys, there's, there's no reason that they can't maybe extend the window into right. maybe you know the late teens well and keep in mind you mentioned somebody mentioned earlier the um having the financial wherewithal after the current television contract expires they'll they're going to cash in assuming they continue to win and fill the stadium and set you know they, they set attendance and you know uh, audience records last ratings records last year um they're, what's the payroll now at? It's well, it's projected at a, around 136 million, but that's including everybody on the 40 man. So the 25 mil or 25 man payroll, I think, will be a little under that. And um, something that's been reported, but we're including Jason Vargas's contract in that. But if he doesn't pitch this year, they're going to get some relief there, and and I think it get about six million dollars back in insurance. So you can take that away. But I, I do think. It, It'll rise. It'll be estimated around 130 million. I and, think. and it'll and it'll continue to increase, but uh, I, I think they'll have the capacity to you know to, to increase their payroll. Uh, I, I do. I, I think that uh, as they uh, continue to continue to assuming they continue to win and the new TV contract comes through in a way that they think it will, I I, I think they will fund a winning team beyond what we thought they might be able to do just months ago. Well, you know, it, it, that's this makes me wonder this, and maybe, maybe, it's, maybe no matter what, they're trying to extend the enterprise as far as they can. But, but I, I, it make me wonder now if there's some real consciousness of that timeline of is it 2019 when that, that contract expires, right, or th- goes right. through, mm-hmm. and if they can, you know, hold the line so to speak till then, what that enables them to do, and and. You know, I don't know if they maybe have thought of it that specifically, but but surely they have in some way. I go back. I, I remember kind of laughing, at least to myself, when a couple years ago Ned said that um, you know the Braves are the, are the organization he wants to emulate. The Braves, the Braves won 14 straight division titles, went to five World Series, they won one of them. Um, I'm thinking there's no way in modern baseball, even the Braves are part of modern baseball, that that's not going to happen again. I don't think this will happen again, but I also don't think that this stops two years from now. I don't think they have this year and next. I think that the moves that have been made and just what you're, you know, the, the sense that you get down here um, in spring training is that they are, um, uh, they didn't think about themselves as having a two-year window. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Okay, well, let's, um, I guess we can close out this portion of the conversation and uh, move into kind of previewing the rest of the spring. The Royals have been down here for almost 10, 11 days now, and they'll open up the spring schedule um, t- 
tomorrow at Surprise Stadium against the Rangers. Blair, I know you wrote a little bit about this today, but one thing that has struck me, and Ned Yost has mentioned this a couple of times, the Royals are going to play more spring training games than any team in baseball with the amount of split squad games that they have. So a lot of I mean, it's not meaningless baseball, but there's a lot of a lot of baseball. To be, yeah, a lot of a lot of baseball to be played in the next month. Um, I think I counted 35 games in 31 31 days, and that includes two off days. Uh, there's uh, they have an off day on on March 21st and one on March 31st before they play the the Diamondbacks, the final two exhibition games at Chase at Chase Field. Um, and then they, they, they lose the off day. They lost the off day when the season opener was pushed from Monday back to Sunday night for ESPN, the, the Mets game, the, the season opener. So it is a lot of baseball. And, you know, we've, we've talked to Ned and, and players about that since we've been here. And, you know, the, Ned just said it, and, the, and you get a sense that um, they're, they're, they're well aware of their March schedule and will play their guys accordingly, their regulars. And you're not going to see, you know, you're just not going to see the frontline guys play, you know, nine innings five or six days a week. It's just not going to happen. It shouldn't happen, not with this kind of schedule. And some of it can't happen because of the split, the five split squad games. Half the team's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be different places. But it's a lot of baseball for a team that, for, for anybody, but especially for a team that had four months off instead of five months off. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I was doing the, the looking at the calendar. The, the Royal season last season ended on November first, and their first spring training game is March second. So that's four months and one day. And um, so they, uh, the, I think it's everything we hear is that they're they're going to be kind of eased into this, you know, into the spring train into spring training. We know that Salvador Perez isn't playing until Saturday. He's going to miss the first three. Infante can't play defense for a while as he's recovering from his uh, elbow surgery. Uh, who else? Escobar, I guess, is yeah, not going to play. Kind of a late start. State, late start. And, Kendris and Morales, Morales won't play until Friday. So I, I know I, I know Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, has said he wants you know the fans pay their money. They you know they they um, they travel to Florida and Arizona to see spring training. They should see the stars of the game, but. Um, I don't think Rob Manfred talked to Ned about this, and uh, so I think you'll see you'll you'll see Gordon Hosmer, Kane, Mustakas, everybody for a while, but you're not going to see him play nine innings often. Seems to me last spring, and I could be remembering this wrong, you'd always see four or five regulars enough enough that I think most fans would be happy with that. And I don't know, as a fan, don't you want to kind of see what's next too? Are, are you okay with that as a fan if you come out here? I would think you would be. Yeah, yeah. So you see, you'll see Hosmer bat twice, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, right. Play six innings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and then and you know, and then you'll see you know, Omaha's first baseman and, and Northwest Arkansas's first baseman and, and Wilmington's first baseman, and I, I think it's especially true what you say about pitchers. I mean, you want to, you really want to see what the young the young arms are, and that's kind of a, a position of intrigue because of the. The deals that the Royals made last summer—how uh, many? Six was it? Six guys. Five, five pitchers. Five pitchers. Five prospects. Four left-handers. Uh, four left-handers yeah. and Aaron Brooks. <laughs> well, and, 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 and one, one of those lefties was Brandon Finnegan, who had yeah. World Series yeah. experience. Yeah. So, uh, so the, yeah, the, we're we're gonna get to get to know some new some new faces on the mound this year. Speaking of that, Kyle Zimmer, that maybe their top pitching prospect is gonna pitch the opener tomorrow, and then it's. Ned Yost has said to not read too much into this, but 
the way they've structured the rotation, I don't know how you can't read more into it. They're going to go Volquez, Ventura, Ian Kennedy, Chris Young, Chris Medlin the next five games after Zimmer starts the opener. So that, I mean, it's it's early and it's uh, lots can change, but I, I think that's essentially what you would one might think the rotation would be when the season starts, aside from Danny Duffy. So I do think, even though Ned has said don't, don't read a lot into that, I think that you can read a little something into that. You know, I, I didn't get to use this in the story I wrote about Volquez for today, and maybe there's a place we can use it somewhere later, but we got talking a little bit about the meaning of opening day, and he basically said... He doesn't want to do it. He would prefer not to, <laughs> because he likes to watch the, the, the pomp and circumstance yes. of opening day. He'll do it if we, he has uh, to. I, I was at FanFest, and uh, Jeffrey Flanagan and I interviewed him there, and we asked him if he wanted to start opening day, because he seems like kind of the logical candidate, and uh, he said no, you know, he's, he's, he's done it, he's done it a couple times before, and he likes enjoying the, you know, the opening day atmosphere, and just kind of taking it easy, and so I, you know, as a, a couple days later, I kind of wrote something about that, and I was kind of like, you know, I think this guy was kind of kidding, you know, I mean, I think he would probably want to start opening take day. The, he would take yeah, the Yeah, so I, you know, I went back to him during spring training, and I was like, Eddie, um, you know, you were kind of kidding about that opening day thing, right? And he's like, no, I wasn't kidding, man. He's like, I, uh, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'd prefer not to start opening day. So He started game one of the World Series. <laughs> Clincher and game and, one. Yeah, game one and game five. Yes. I believe there was a little pomp and circumstance around the opening of the World Series as well. Listen, Skip, I don't want the ball. I, I, the World Series is a really cool thing to watch. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, so I, I I still think the safe money is on him starting opening day, despite his protest. You think it's him over Ventura? You know, I I think the 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 argument is that Volquez deserves to. I mean, he was maybe their most steady starting pitcher last year, and then performed in the playoffs. And he's a veteran. Um, the other argument would be that perhaps they'd want to give Vol or give Ventura maybe a confidence boost or kind of a vote of confidence to. Uh, to go out there, and I, I could see Ned Yost doing something like that. That's sort of been in his um, wheelhouse in terms of managerial tactics. But I, I think at the moment, I, I still think Volquez will be the guy. But I, I think you know Ventura could, wouldn't be would out of the do, realm of possibility if you were in Ned Yost. As Giordano calls him Ned Yost. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I would. I think I would start Volquez. On opening day, I mean, they're playing the Mets. It's going to be a highly charged atmosphere. I think you probably feel more comfortable with Ventura or Volquez on the mound. What's interesting is that Tuesday game is going to, or Wednesday game, is that Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday game is both of those are going to have that element to it. Yeah, but I'm with you. I I I, I don't see why you. I think you're there's still element of risk with uh, the psyche of Ventura, and it it looked to me like didn't help him last year to be cast as the ace. Yeah, I mean, um, he, I think it was a little bit, um, you know, cor- not it was a little bit correlation, not causation, but when he wasn't the ace, the second half of the season, when they got Cueto, he did perform better. He did. I don't know how much you can really read into that. I think Hard it might have been a coincidence, but I, and I, I still think, you know, he's, it's, you could maybe get some sort of value out of putting him out there on opening day and, and saying, hey, you're our guy, but I I think maybe that some of that's overrated as well. So well, one thing to keep in mind is whoever starts game one has a good chance to start a game three <laughs> because they play, they're off, they play, 
they're off, they're off. They, they only played two games in the first five days. So Sunday, Sunday, he'll be on, he would yeah. be on regular – game one starter would be on regular rest for game three if he wanted to do that. It's totally fascinating, actually, to think that through. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the corollary or the flip side, I guess, would be, well, you know, why don't you just get into the pattern you're going to be in and, and you know, do you need those extra innings anyway? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I think they'll probably be on a regular rotation. I, I guess I could see them maybe skipping the fifth starter, whoever for that the is. First, yeah, for his first. So just so, just so the, the game, whoever starts opening day, isn't on like eight days rest. That's right. That's right. When, when yeah. they come around yeah. and start a second time. So I could see them doing that, but um, I think they'll probably at least start four guys that first week. And, and goofy setup. Just yeah. to look at the schedule yeah. and to see two games in five days is so goofy. <laughs> I. We mentioned him, but I do, let's let's touch on Kyle Zimmer one more time. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast anytime after uh, Wednesday, he probably would have already started his um, his opening day start. So some of this will be a little bit dated, but I find the, the that they're sending him out there the first Cactus League game to be, on the one hand, sort of very spring training of them to do, just sort of like, hey, it's a, it's a game, doesn't really matter. Let's see what he can do. But also, I, I feel like there's a little bit of um, them either rewarding him for, for coming back from injuries and also sort of just a test just to see what he does. And and I think he's going to throw probably two innings. Ned Yost said he's going to be on probably a 30-pitch pitch count. So that'll probably get him through two innings um, unless something crazy happens. But I'm interested to see how he responds because the way Ned Yost talked about him on – Whatever day he talked about him, like maybe that was Sunday. Uh, it, it surprised me the, the, the some of the some of the stuff he said because Ned has been so close. I don't know what the right word is. He was, he's so hesitant to say anything about any player during spring training. Just sort of like we'll we'll see what happens. But with Kyle Zimmer, he was interested to see his talent and compared him to Jordano Ventura. And I think he's a guy that the Royals think could help them in the second half of the season. So we've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time yeah. for, for Kyle Zimmer and, uh, and a fully, you know, healthy guy. I mean, I, I remember the excitement around the organization when they drafted him and got him signed. And uh, uh, I, I agree. I I think in most years the exhibition opener starter is not is not a story. It's not significant. I think there's a little bit of significance to I totally Kyle agree. Zimmer's story. Don't you think so? It's, yeah. it's prime the pump. It, it's it's telling him something. Isn't it? It's yeah, saying, I, you know, we, we, we want, we're going to not fast track you, but, but we want you on track. I think so. And, you know, we, we mentioned that all the pitchers they traded away um, at the deadline last year. And Kyle was actually, I was just talking to him today a little bit about that. He was teammates with some of them when those guys were getting traded, which was interesting in and of itself. But they don't necessarily have the, the farm system to really go out and get that talent at the deadline this year and you know Kyle Zimmer is not you know you're he's not a veteran and he wouldn't have major league experience but if you're looking for a talented arm like a high upside arm he might be he could be the deadline guy this year or, or something that you could go mm-hmm. to in in July or August and maybe maybe it blows up and he's and he's awful and he and he needs a couple of months and he's not good right away but I think sometimes the high upside pitchers, the really talented pitchers, can come in and make a difference from from the jump more so than than hitters. Okay, here's your. Um, so as we were talking about Kyle Zimmer, I had to look up who the Royals started in last year's 
exhibition opener. Anybody care to take a guess? Was it Volquez? It was not. Was uh, it a young oh, guy? Oh, it was Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks. I remember. See, that was this, your story. It goes against the, uh, so there's the, some evidence <laughs> that we should not be too, reading <laughs> too much in Kyle's. No, there's evidence they're making him trade bait. Is that yeah. <laughs> you know what I remember about that game, though, was the back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs. Yes. Uh, uh, Rios, Kendris, and... Uh, I think it was Hosmer, Hosmer. Kendris, and Rios. Yeah. Uh, Morales and Rios. Yeah. In the first inning, it was a six-run first inning because... <laughs> I think Escobar had let off, and Dyson was in the top three, um, and uh, and they all got on. And Hosmer hit a ball. I know the light, the air is a little lighter here. Yeah. And he hit a ball that, if you're familiar with Surprise Stadium, there's the center field fence, and then there's the grassy burn behind it, and then there's the big wall. He, and I, I think there's some gardening out there too, some shrubbery or something. I think it landed in front of the wall, but behind the shrubs. Yeah. It was a Unbelievable blast! It was. And what a, talk about you know boating well for the Royals. Yeah, I mean, six yeah. runs in the first inning of a season that you know in which they're coming off the disappointing World Series loss, and and, and had been a team that uh, hit like Roger Maris total home right. runs the year. You <laughs> yep. know, I guess he's not the standard anymore, but nope. you know, old man baseball player. The uh, gotta bring it, gotta bring it back. The World Series championship was was guaranteed after the, <laughs> after, after, after in the, the top of the first after the of this Cactus League opener. Uh, so maybe we should go out on that. Maybe we should. Okay. Nice uptick. Yeah. Well, follow along on the coverage in the pages of the Kansas City Star and uh, KansasCity.com and the True Blue app. Yes. Don't download the, the True app. Blue app. It's uh. Got to plug the app. And I said it before at the beginning. I'll say it again. John Sleazer's photos and videos are terrific. Click, give him a click. Awesome. So for Vahe Gregorian and Blair Kirkhoff, I'm Rustin Dodd of the Kansas City Star. We'll be back next week uh, with another podcast. And until then, 